And as we get into God's word this morning, just know that as I get the opportunity to do this, uh, I don't take it lightly, and, and I just uh, consider it a privilege to be able to come and speak God's word to you guys this morning and share that with you. This morning's sermon is titled, Don't Be Deceived, Live the Truth. Don't Be Deceived, Live the Truth. Now, as sermon illustrations go, whenever you use your wife, you always get their permission first. And so I always ask Megan's permission before I shared, her, shared with this to her. She always says that I share a tidbit of her that um, she may not want everybody to know, but I got her permission first for this. So it's not, not an uh, uncommon, fa- uncommon fact, but Megan loves reality TV. Loves it. Like, the more reality it is, the better, right? She loves reality TV. And because of her love of reality TV, and because I love my wife, I get to watch many of these uh, reality TV shows, too. Uh, And several years ago, Megan started watching one such show called Breaking Amish. And you may remember this one. It's a TLC show based around the Amish practice of Rumspringa, which is translated into English as Jumping Around. The series revolves around five young adults, four Amish and one Mennonite, who moved to New York City in order to experience uh, a different life and face potential uh, ostracism by their family and friends. The show follows the cast of members as they experience life in New York and face new situations involving work, friendships, romance, and lifestyle, plus a drama, all the drama that develops between cast members as they undergo various experiences. Uh, here's an interesting fact that I found uh, looking up this show. That only uh, f- that five out of uh, only out of the five, only one decided to return to their Amish community after three seasons. Outside of television, Rum Spring it takes place uh, typically uh, between the ages of 16 through 18. This show they were a little older, uh, but this can last anywhere from uh, a few months to a few years. And I also found this fact surprising, that on average, 80% return to the Amish community. In some places, it exceeds 90% return rate after Rumspring. You may ask, Christopher, how does reality TV show go with the passage in 1 Timothy that we're going to continue to look at this morning? Well, in our passage this morning, we see that the church at Ephesus was partaking in the practice of, that the Amish also do uh, called asceticism. This is partaking in a severe self-discipline and avoidance of all forms of indulgence, typically for religious reasons, believing that somehow this will make them better. Well, this morning as we read in God's Word, we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 4, and in your apps, if you have the app open, you can click on the link to the the scripture and you can read along there, or you can also read along on the screen, or if you have uh, your Bible with you, you can also do that as well. Uh, But this morning we're going to be reading in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected. It is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith of the good doctrine and that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent and silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. 
as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set in the living God, for who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct, in love and faith and purity. Until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep close watch on yourself, on the teaching. On the teaching, persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. This morning, we see that uh, Paul uh, was telling Timothy that he needed to reject false doctrine. Reject false doctrine. Why reject false doctrine? Because it's not true, right? If it's not true, we're not to believe it. So then how do we know what false doctrine is and what true doctrine is? Uh, Well, we're going to look at uh, how some of these people were rejecting false doctrine this morning and how some people today uh, will reject, uh, will, will, will adhere to false doctrine instead of rejecting false doctrine. We see in the first part of verse one that some will depart from the biblical faith. Some will depart from the biblical faith. First part of verse 1 says this, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from their faith. Well, is this a, is this a picture of somebody who uh, loses their salvation? No. This is, a, this is a picture of somebody who never believed in the first place. Departing from the faith, they've never believed in the first place. Their, their heart is shown to have never believed in the first place. J.D. Greer Greer says this, once saved, always saved, but also once saved, forever following. Once saved, always saved, but also once saved, forever following. We find that people, when they they depart from their faith, when they veer off the path and they begin to go in a different direction, uh, it really shows their true heart. It really shows where they are at in their lives. Once saved, always saved, but also once saved, always following. That's a big deal. And how, how is this possible that people begin to depart from their biblical faith? How is it that they veer left? Well, we see that some will pay attention to false teachers and false doctrine. The second part of verse 1 says, By devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. You see, false teachers... And false gospel usually answer false answers to right questions. False teachers and false gospels usually answer false answers to right questions. There's a quote from one of my uh, friend, pastor friends. Uh, he says, the world is asking good questions. And false teachers are answering, answering those questions with logical answers. But they're wrong. What makes this difficult is that the true gospel seems illogical, especially in today's culture. It seems illogical to, to follow the true gospel. Things like, we die to ourselves so we can live on Christ. Paul also says, the more that we are weak, the more we are strong. This is a challenge because the false gospel 
could seem sound and logical when the gospel sounds illogical. It's so easy to believe and, and fall into false doctrine because false doctrine really does sound right. It sounds logical. It sounds, it sounds in today's culture and in today's society. And, and especially if, if today's society is this way, uh, Paul is teaching about this. And so uh, we see that it wasn't just us that had struggles with believing in false doctrine. What happens when they believe the false doctrine is that their consciences will be hardened. Verse 2 says, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. This word seared, I wanted to know what it really meant here, so I started doing some research and looking up. The word seared here actually means to take a iron and they would take the hot iron and they wouldn't just brand it out, they would brand their slaves on the forehead marking them as their own. And so basically, uh, they, they got to the point where they were numbed to the pain and they were, they were made to be something that they were not. They were, they were basically given as ownership. They were, they were, their consciences are seared. It is ground in, it is burnt in, it is permanent. And so they were, they were really struggling with, with this, this, this concept of, of wavering back and forth and why is this and so he says their consciences are seared uh they're hardened much like a, a cattle iron on a cow sears and brands the false gospel becomes seared into their minds and their consciences what are they doing what were they doing they will forbid forbid marriage and abstain from certain foods and this verse three says, three through five says this, uh, because of the liars, the liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. You see, marriage and God's design and God's plan and God's order is good. Amen, right? Marriage is good. It may be hard, but it's good. Marriage by, by God's design. We look at that. Uh, it is, nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving. If it's received according to God's plan and God's design for that. Marriage between a man and a woman is good. And we are free to partake in that. These people were abstaining from that. Uh, we are free to eat what God has provided. Amen, right? Uh, amen. Uh, food is good, right? Uh, thank God for the food and eat with gratitude. God sanctifies marriage and food within his plan and his order. Next, we are to see that and how do, how do we avoid all this stuff? How do, we, how do we begin to get through all this stuff? We see that we are to nourish ourselves, yourself, in true doctrine. First, we are to teach and promote godliness. Verse 6 says this, If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and the good doctrine that you have followed. We are to teach about truth and godliness, and warn those to seek good doctrine. 
You're to seek good doctrine and warn those to seek good doctrine. Uh, and what is the good doctrine? Nothing added to, nothing taking away from the gospel. What is the gospel? The fact that God came and created this perfect place. He created a perfect earth. No sin, no problems, no struggles, everything. His design was perfect. It was great. It was good. Then sin happened in the world. We look at the world today. It's a broken, messed up place. We see death, we see destruction, we see sickness, we see pain, we see divorce, we see all kinds of things that are, are just hurtful and painful and just broken. And it is all broken because of sin, our sin, and we've messed up what God created to be perfect, His plan. We've messed it up. How do we get, how do we get back to God's perfect plan? The fact that Jesus came, to live on earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross on our behalf for our sin, died on the cross, rose three days later, and then later ascended into heaven, fully defeating on death on our behalf. And when we believe in that with, with everything we have, we believe that Jesus died on the cross for us, then we begin to pursue a relationship with God. We begin to pursue that relationship with God so that we could get back to the perfect plan, the perfect design that God had for us. And upon entering heaven uh, and eternity, if we've chosen God, if we've chosen to follow after God, we get to spend eternity in heaven with him and his perfect plan and design. No sickness, no death, no destruction, no brokenness. But if we choose to not follow after his plan and we live in the brokenness, and we live in the hurt, and we live in the pain, when it comes time for eternity, we'll be separated from him forever in hell. And you may be like, well, Christopher, I, 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 believe, I, believe, in, I believe in the gospel, I, I believe in truth, I, and, and how, why, is this, why does this matter to me? Why, uh, why is this a big deal? Uh, because being off just a little bit, eventually it's going to get us off a long way, and, and when we begin to believe little, little lies and little offs, we, we eventually get ourselves really far away and, and then our hearts are really shown and, and what's really true in our hearts is shown and you're like, but, but I'm not there. I, I, I really believe, I really do that. And so Paul understands that the church here and Timothy like really believe the gospel and, and they're, well, why, why do I need this? Why, why do I need this, this topic? Uh, and, and Paul says to Timothy that he needs to reject legendary and silly myths. First part of seven says, have nothing to do with irreverent and silly myths. You see, in this context, irreverent silly myths are those doctrines which are untrue, chiefly that they deny that everything God created is good. You know, I don't, I don't deny what God created is good. I don't, I don't adhere to uh, facts. I don't believe in things that aren't true. Uh, I, I find myself to be learned. I'm smart. I, I know what things are, are true. Well, um, uh, I, I'm glad Reader's Digest is still around and it's still available. I did, I did not in the book, but it's digital form, right? Um, but Reader's Digest published a set of 51 things. Don't worry, we're not going to go through all 51 things. Um, that people believe to be true today that are not true and so we're going to go through a few of them. There's a picture on the screen. You may not be able to read the small text, uh, but I'll read that for you. But the picture is fun that goes with it, all right? So the first one is a dropped pennies kill. Terminal velocity of a penny is 30 to 50 miles per hour. Not fast enough to kill. 
but sure would sting. But don't go dropping off pennies off of tall buildings now, okay? That you can be that, all right? The next one, the Great Wall of China. It is not visible from space. No single human structure is visible from orbit, but you can see cities at night. This is a good one for everybody that's afraid of spiders, all right? Uh, sleepers swallow eight spiders per year. Not true. Spiders usually don't crawl into beds during nighttime wanderings because they offer no prey. You probably actually swallow zero spiders per year. Good news, right? It said possibly, right? Uh, probably, all right? Uh, this is one that, that got me for a long time. And I, when I read it, I was like, what? Okay. Uh, goldfish have a three-second memory. Not true. While the, the smartest creatures, goldfish actually boast a memory span of three months. This one's a hotly debated topic in the, uh, at, at church in the office, right? This next one. Uh, water rotation. A flush toilet does not rotate the other way in the southern hemisphere. The Coriolis effect doesn't alter water in toilets. Uh, learning things today, right? Okay. Uh, wake sleepwalkers. Wake sleepwalkers. Uh, they will be really confused, but it's okay to wake them up. They're more likely to hurt themselves if they're not awoken. I know this one to be true. My sister was a sleepwalker growing up. Uh, she would walk out into the living room, and we would tell her, you need to wake up, and you need to go back to bed. And she'd wake up, go back to bed, and as far as we know, she's okay. Uh, um, but, uh, but uh, yeah, I th I'm pretty sure. So there's 51. You can go look them up on online. But these are some of the funnier ones and interesting ones that I thought uh, I'd share with you guys. But it's easy to believe false things. Why? Because they seem logical. They seem true. And then how, do we, how do we not fall into this trap of uh, believing false doctrines and silly myths and, and things as such as they were talking about in this passage? Uh, we see that physical exercise is good, but spiritual exercise is best. When we were going over this, uh, Pastor Michael said he wanted a picture of himself under the, uh, under the uh, spiritual exercise and wanted somebody that was uh, buff under the uh, physical exercise and say, look, I'm, I, it's better. I'm, 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 I've got this going, right? Uh, so, uh, uh, but so verses 7, uh, the second part of 7 uh, through 11. Rather train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value... Godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end, we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. We are to train for godliness. Physical training is good. Uh, I, I, I enjoy working out. I, I like to work out. I uh, spent a long time working out. didn't really help me too much because of some things with my body. So I had surgery to help with weight loss, and, and now I was cleared to go back to work out again. And so we're, we're getting in that process to getting working out again, and I'm excited to do that. And it's good to train and be, have that physical training. But training for godliness is more valuable than physical training. Because training for godliness, the end result of that is eternity. 
Godliness is a Christian behavior that reflects a biblical beliefs and attitudes. When we physically train, we reflect that we're physically training. But when we're godly, when we train for godliness, reflecting the Christian behavior, reflecting what the Bible says, we're reflecting uh, not only in our lives, but in our attitudes and the way we talk and walk and live our lives. So not only are we supposed to train ourselves and, and uh, exercise spiritually, but we're also to teach others true doctrine. Verses, verse 12, it says this, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. When I, when I read this passage, I always thought that Timothy was, was really, uh, really young and like a teenager age. Uh, but in fact, uh, just looking up and researching and looking and reading through uh, history, uh, likely, uh, Timothy was likely 48, mid-40s to 48 years old. And why is he saying, let no one despise you for your youth? And in this time, uh, typically in this passage, we're talking about uh, being an elder and being a pastor. And likely, uh, the, the pastor and elder, uh, you hadn't lived enough life until you were in your 50s, late 50s. And so Paul is telling Timothy, don't let anybody look down on you for your youth. Now we look at youth as students and younger uh, in their 20s and, and, and teenagers. And so I want to I wanna tell teenagers today and young adults, and even if you feel young adult at heart, um, you can think of this too, but let no one put you down for living your faith out for Jesus. Let no one tell you and despise you for being on fire for Jesus. Young people, young adults, young at heart, it says we're to be examples in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. So what that means is that we are to be an example to everyone, to other believers. We're to be an example to other believers no matter what age you're at. We're to be an example to those around us. There's several things here that, that Paul mentions and they're all here on the screen and we're gonna go through these real quick. We're to be an example in our speech. The way we talk at home, the way we talk at work, the way we talk with our neighbors, the way we talk with our friends, the way we talk with our family, the way we talk to our kids, the way we, in every aspect, we are to be an example of what Jesus did in, in our lives through our speech, in our speech. We're to be an example in conduct, the way we act, the way we live. I tell students a lot, if, if somebody sees, the, you claim to be a Christian, you claim to believe in Jesus Christ, and you go to church and you, and you claim all those things, and you say, I love God, I love Jesus, but your life looks nothing like that, we're not being an example to others in our conduct. And why would anybody else want what we have if we're no different than they are? In love, 
Be an example to other believers in young, be in love. Uh, be, be an example to other uh, people with love. We're to show love. We're to show compassion. Uh, the other night, I got to sit down and have a, a really long conversation with somebody, and, and I said, uh, man, I am sharing the gospel with you. I'm sharing that Jesus died on the cross for you, uh, and that, that if, you, if you choose not to follow him, that you'll spend eternity in hell. And you know what? I love you, and I don't want to see you go to hell. I don't want to see you spend eternity in hell. I want to see you spend, get to spend eternity in heaven. So that's why I'm sharing with you. Even though it sounds illogical, even, even though it sounds uh, crazy at times, but it's because I believe it with my whole being that heaven and hell are real and I love you too much to see you go to hell. We're to be examples in love. We're to be examples in our faith. We're to hold true to our faith and hold strong in our faith and to hold uh, biblically sound in our faith and to, to believe in truth and to believe in the true, true doctrine. So uh, to be an example to others in their faith as well. You're going through a tough time and you're going through a struggle. You remain faithful and you remain strong in your faith and believing and belief in God. Others see that and it's an example to them. We're to be an example in purity. Teenagers, be an example to your friends. When, when the rest of, rest of the, the culture and society says, have sex and have fun and do whatever you want to do, uh, be an example and be different in your purity. Young adults, be an example to your friends that are going out and doing these things. Uh, be an example in, in purity. Married folks, and, and, and this goes for everybody, uh, when it comes to the idea and, and the thought of, of pornography, remain pure and be an example. It may be something that's hidden, but it definitely affects everything around you. Remain pure as an example to other believers. Paul then goes on to say, publicly read scripture, exhort and teach. Publicly read scripture, exhort and teach. He says in verse 13, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. A few weeks ago, Pastor Michael preached, and he said uh, one of the problems of the women, the, the fact that women were coming up and, and taking these roles and, and leading is because the men wouldn't stand up and publicly do these things. They wouldn't publicly read. They wouldn't publicly pray. And, and Paul is saying, again, reiterating, if it says twice in, in God's word, or it says twice, it's, it's probably important, right? And so, it, not probably, it is important. So we are to publicly read scripture and exhort and teach. And so we're to stand up and do these things and, and to devote ourselves He's telling Timothy, devote yourself to public reading of scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. Uh, one of the things in, uh, in, in student ministry, in our student ministry here at Fog, is that uh, when we start out, I have a student pray and lead us in prayer. I always pray before I, I speak, but to start the night out before we worship, uh, I have a student pray. Uh, sometimes uh, the, when I ask them to pray, they're like, oh, what, me? Uh, I can't do that. Yes, you can. You can. I want to get them in the habit of being able to be comfortable with praying publicly. And you know what? It's not always elegant, eloquent. It's not always the, the uh, most uh, thought, thought out prayer ever. But I can tell you it's one, some of the greatest, most genuine, real prayers I've ever heard in my life. Because they, they pray from a place of, of just like, man, I can't do this, but I'm going to do it anyways. And they pray, and it's real, and it, it's, it's great right? Uh, and it's fun to watch. Um, and then also another thing that we do is I, I, don't, I don't first read all the scripture out. I let the students read the scripture. Uh, why? Because reading scripture publicly is important and it's good. Uh, and so, and, and one of the things that I love the most is whenever uh, they go, can I read? Can I read? Can I read? And there's several people and it's always different people asking to read. 
and they read God's scripture and they read God's word. They may not read the best, but they read. And they read aloud. And sometimes I like, okay, you, it's a long set of scriptures, so you can read as much as you want, and then somebody else will pick up, and then they'll read the whole thing, right? Because they're excited about reading God's word aloud. Next, we see that we're to use our spiritual gift. Use your spiritual gift. Verse 14, do not neglect the gift you have, which, you, which is given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. We're all given spiritual gifts upon receiving the Holy Spirit in our lives, upon salvation. And, and too often, bodies, members of the body neglect their spiritual gift because maybe it means they've got to do something publicly. God's given us a gift to use. Do not neglect it. When the whole body works together as a whole, it functions properly. It works right. When something's not working right and it's not functioning right, the body still moves forward, but it doesn't function fully the way it's supposed to. Do not neglect your spiritual gift. Finally, Paul says, stay strong in your life and teaching. Verse 15 and 16. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that you may all see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself, on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. It's not talking about, Paul's not saying Timothy's gonna save, like because he's talking, it's saving. It's saying, man, your role is important. Your job is important. Don't take it lightly. Stay strong in your faith. Stay strong in your walk. Stay strong in your teaching. Persist in what you're doing. Persist in the truth. Persist, persist in the true gospel. Persist in the true doctrine. As we close this morning, I, wanna, I want us to consider this. If you're going somewhere and you're off course by just one degree, after about one foot, You'll miss your target by 0.2 inches. Not too trivial, right? But what as you get further out? After traveling 100 yards, being off one degree, you'll off, be off by 5.2 feet. Not huge, but, not, but noticeable. After a mile, you'll be off by 92.2 feet. One degree is starting to make a difference. After traveling from San Francisco to L.A., you'll be off by six miles. If you're trying to get to San Francisco to Washington, D.C., you'll end up on the other side of Baltimore, 42.6 miles away. Traveling around the globe from Washington, D.C. to Washington, D.C., you'll miss it by 435 miles and end up in Boston. Join me from walking around the world. Let's get on a rocket. If you're a rocket and you're going to the moon and you're one degree off, you'll be 4,169 miles off, nearly twice the diameter of the moon. Going to the sun, you'd miss it by over 1.6 million miles, nearly twice the diameter of the sun. Traveling to the nearest star, you'd be off course by over 441 billion miles. That's 120 times the distance from the, sun, uh, from the earth to Pluto, or 4,745 4, times the distance from earth to the sun. It's a big deal when we, when we begin to believe little, true, little, little lies often here and here. And it's a big deal to stay firm to the truth. It's a big deal to stay strong in our beliefs and what we believe. Let's pray. God, just thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. And God, I just I pray that uh, you will uh, 
speak to us through what your word says this morning. And God, I just thank you for allowing us to be here. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.